Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and... Jeff McClure. One of the things that I hear regularly, and I have to be uh, clear on this, I hear this confusion often. People not understanding the difference between a bear market and a recession. Uh, so I thought I would bring this up. This is a piece of information that's it's one of those oddities of life that what is a bear market? Why is it called a bear market? And what is a recession? A bear market is when the stock market or any market for that matter drops about 20% from the top. It's called a bear market because in ancient medieval times when uh, weather was really bad and your crops didn't do well and your livestock were not doing well, um, the wild creatures of the forest were also not doing particularly well and so they would come out of the forest and attack the flocks. So you would have people go around and capture the bears. They would bring the bears to market for bear baiting. So dogs would fight them. There'd be dancing bears. You'd have all of this stuff around that. And that happened a lot more in bad economic conditions. In good economic conditions, the weather's been good. There's plenty of feed for the animals. There's plenty of uh, crops being harvested. You have too many bulls. We only started making steers uh, in the last several hundred years as a, as a normal, regular event. Before that, you had an extra bull, you would take it to get slaughtered because that's the only thing you'd, you only need one bull in your herd. So in good years, you'd bring a, bring a lot of bulls to the market. And there's still markets that do that. Uh, Spain is famous for the running of the bulls. This is a bull market. And the reason why it's such a big festival is it's kind of like Thanksgiving or harvest festival. If you bring a lot of bulls, it means that you must have done well. Now, it doesn't mean that anymore. It just means there's a lot of bulls there. But that's where we get the bull and the bear in the market. The bull is a good year. The bear is a bad year. The bull in this case is when the market's up from the bottom 20%. The bear is when the market's down from the top 20%. Now, will everyone agree on that definition? Probably not. But that's okay. We, it's a rough agreement that sort of most people kind of agree with. Okay, now we have what's a recession? A recession has zero to do with the stock market. It has to do with the growth or shrinkage of the economy. A recession is when the economy moves backwards. It recedes. It's no longer just growing slowly. You can have high growth, slow growth, no growth, and then recession when you're moving backward. Um, and when we're talking about recessions, I said the, uh, the market has nothing to do with it, except that we've never had a recession without the market going into a bear first, having a drop first. Now, we've had a lot of bears that didn't lead to a recession, but we've never had a recession without a bear. Um, so that kind of will help you when people say we're in a bear, but we might not have a recession. People are Hopefully, you're less confused with that now than you were, if you were confused at all. So moving forward from that, when a recession occurs, the stock market is also usually already in recovery at that point. It's already beginning its climb back up. Why is that? This is one of those things when we talk about indicators being leading 
or lagging or uh, concurrent happening at the same time. A leading indicator is something, obviously, that is an indication of something before it happens. A barometric pressure is a leading indicator of a storm. Um, The yield curve has been an indicator, leading indicator of recessions in the past. It's a strong indicator. It doesn't mean that there has to be a recession every time we have an inverted yield curve. Um, this the, the a bear market is a strong leading indicator, but it doesn't always mean that there's a recession. When we look at the uh, U.S. leading indicators, uh, the conference board puts this out, and when we look at this, there's only just a few of the indicators. It's really only one. A couple of them are kind of waffling right on the edge that are saying there's growth ahead. So the interest rate spread on the 10-year T-bonds is uh, a leading indicator, and it's a little bit ahead right now. With the yield curve inverted, that's a little weird. So what makes a leading indicator? Why is it leading? Why is the stock market ahead? Uh, A a lagging indicator would be employment. Well, you would think, why? well, if employment's good, wouldn't that say the good things about the economy? Well, yeah, but it says about what's already occurred. If you put yourself in the shoes of a small business owner, by the way, I would request that you ask the small business owner before you take their shoes. Don't just take them and put them on. That leads to all kinds of arguments. So let's figuratively put the shoes of a small business owner on. You've been doing well this year. You have a lot of demand for new things to be made and so on. So you start looking around to hire someone. But you don't start hiring people until you have profits. When the profits are there and the orders are there and they say, we want you to give us stuff and we will pay you money for it, then people hire. It happens after the promise of profits or after the profits already occur. And the opposite is also true. People don't lay people off. They don't fire their employees, the ones that they have been training and spending money on to get them up to speed. You don't get rid of them until you have a pretty good reason to believe that your profits are down generally after they've been down for a while. So layoffs tend to occur way after the thing that caused the profits to drop. And hiring tends to occur way after the profits are up. So those are lagging indicators. The stock market is made up of of a bunch of people that are looking at the market and they're trying to buy things that they expect to do well in the future. So they are actively trying to look ahead to see what's happening there. And on average, it's a pretty good indicator of good or bad things for the future. So that's a really kind of very fast breakdown of number one, what's a recession? Number two, what's a bear market? What's a bull market? What's the difference? And I have heard some very astute journalists at financial networks that are on television and online that have millions of people listening to them getting the recession or the market and the economy completely mixed up, absolutely, totally backwards by saying the economy is in a bear market. That doesn't make any sense. Or the market is in a recession. Well, no, no, that's not how that works either. Uh, And I've heard it so many times that I wanted to bring it out and say, look, this is a common misconception. The market is an indicator for the economy. You can have a down market and a good economy. 
You can have a bad economy and an up market. In fact, those are normal situations. So when we look ahead at the indicators, the yield curves and so on, there's no doubt in either of our bald brains that the, that the global economy is heading into recession. The big question is, will the United States join it? Will the United States be in a recession in the next 18 months? And, and I would say there's a better than 50-50 chance, but I don't think it's going to be a 18 months out. I don't think it's going to be a massive recession or a horrible one because we're sitting on so much cash. And our employment is so high and has been for so long. So uh, that's some of the quibble points that I needed to bring up there just because enough people are confused by it. So um, we've got a lot, a lot to talk about today. We had a week where the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, uh, and the Federal Reserve all decided that uh, they were interested in raising rates, uh, interest rates by half a percent. So everybody did. They all said, well, I'm interested in that as well. And so we had three major banks raise interest rates by half a percent. And that caused the market to be shocked again. And this is one of those things that I, I will never stop being amazed by because the Federal Reserve has been saying since its last meeting, um, and th there's no there's no doubt about this. This was November 1st and 2nd was its last meeting. And they've been saying consistently across the board and every news conference of every governor that they're going to be raising rates half a percent. And yet the day that it occurs, everyone is still shocked, which is intensely amusing to me because they've done this now. We go back to when they, they first started raising rates um, at uh, uh in in October of 2021, they said, "All right, we're going to start raising rates now. We're going to start pulling back. Um, we're we're not going to be uh, quantitative easing. We're not going to be purchasing bonds on the market, but we're not going to be selling bonds on the market. So we're we're beginning the the pullback from making it too easy. And every meeting that they've had, they've said what we're going to do the next meeting. They've said in." lots of public ways, and yet every time they have a new meeting and do exactly what they have been proclaiming to the world that they were going to do, the market acts like they've been slapped on the side of the face and are totally shocked <laughs> by this. This is one of my great amusements. And Nobody likes to see the market go down. That includes me. But really, when it comes straight to it, the shock that is portrayed by the people of the market it is, I don't know, I used to drive on the way to work by uh, a, a herd of fainting goats. And as I would come around the corner every day, and I couldn't avoid it, I had to do it every day, I would honk my horn. And some days, one or two of them would fall down and faint. And other days, if I got them just right, if it was quiet enough and the fog was good, they would all fall down. And it was amazing, and I loved it. And I get that same feeling Every time the Federal Reserve does exactly what it says it was going to do and the market reacts because <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. But they never will. The market never will because as a whole, the majority of people in the stock market aren't paying attention to what the Federal Reserve says they're going to do, but only what they say they did. Um, so that's a tiny little fractional piece of humor I know it's dark humor. It is definitely gallows humor when the market drops, but it's still something that causes me to uh, have some degree of amusement 
regularly. Um, we've got all kinds of other stuff going on in the world. Number one, the EU uh, looks like they're going to whole hog sign up for that 15% corporate minimum tax. That means that the global deal across 137 countries is moving forward. Uh, that every one of these 137 companies are going to agree that the lowest tax that they are going to allow on large companies will be 15%. Why is this important? Well, when you find out about things like what happened with the crypto trading exchange FTX, and they're sitting over in the Bahamas. Why are they in the Bahamas? Why were they in Hong Kong before that? Why, why are they moving around? Why were they in, why the Bahamas? Well, I think we all know. We can know this because there are so many, so many companies that have their addresses for their corporate headquarters listed in some tropical island or in Ireland or in fill in the blank where the country has decided that they're not going to get any corporate taxes or not much because their country doesn't have a lot of major corporations. So they say, well, it doesn't cost us anything to lower taxes on corporations. It's going to make us money because corporations will flock to our location and set up their headquarters here. The problem with their headquarters being there is it's a figment of everyone's imagination. When a major Fortune 500 corporation sets up an office in a little tropical island and its office is composed of a post office box. There's actually no people in that box. You can look. You can put your ear to it. You hear no one talking. There's no physical real estate anywhere on the island that belongs to the corporation, but somehow that corporation is based there so that they have their taxes go through it. Well, that's a problem because what it really means is that a major corporation can be doing business in the United States and not pay taxes in the appropriate way. Not that not that major corporations based in the United States necessarily pay the correct amount of taxes either, but this is a bit more egregious. This is much more obvious. So 137 of the major countries of the world got together and said we're going to impose a minimum on our all of us all of us agree a minimum of 15% tax on large companies. And that way we will uh, stop this horrible thing where countries are just taking advantage of us and so on. Um, why am I bringing this up? It's not like I am happy that corporations have to pay taxes. It's not like I'm sad that corporations have to pay taxes. I'm bringing it up because it's going to change the work environment for a lot of major corporations. Um, my thought is if, if you have a legal method of paying lower taxes, you should probably pay the lower tax if it's legal. Now, some of the legal ways of paying lower taxes are definitely unethical. And I tend to lean on being an ethical person. But now you have a quandary where you can do a thing legally and pay less money. It may be unethical, but it's unethical to whom? Well, that corporations generally do not have consciences, so uh, having an ethical conversation with a corporation, uh, unless there's a regulator involved, generally doesn't work. So this is why the, the governments are going out and saying we have a minimum rate. And that means that some of your prices may increase, probably not very many. 
of your prices will increase based on this. This is a this is a rare instance where a major company is really taking advantage of this. They have other ways of taking advantage of it, usually with armies of attorneys and tax preparers uh, in whatever country of origin um, doing whatever they can to avoid paying taxes. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake. McClure. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and we do make uh, other statements than really bad puns about songs. Uh, we are uh, a, a finance program, as you would probably guess from the Personal Wealth Coach being our title. The Personal Wealth Coach is not just the title of the program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. All right. Well, does that mean that the SEC likes us? What would you say to that, sir? I would say that the SEC is professionally dislikes almost everyone. Right. That is no implication of the SEC's approval just because we're registered with them. Why is the radio program and the firm named the same thing? Because we have to give this disclosure no matter what it is, and it's less disclosurable. It takes less time to do if it's just the same name. So we've been doing this program here uh, on this st- in, on this station, fourteen hundred AM in Temple, since nineteen ninety six, we've been doing this a long time, and we haven't been paid for it ever. Uh, we also Man. have not ever paid for it, so we've been doing this a long, long time. And the whole idea is education. We do advertise as a firm for on the studio, uh, on the channel for this radio program. We don't actually advertise for our firm. We're advertising for the radio program. So what we're saying is that this is educational and we do occasionally get business from it, but our purpose here is truly education. That being said, it's not advice. Advice would be if I knew who you were, if the other bald guy, Jeff, knew who you were and we were able to have a private conversation with you about things in your best interest versus broadcasting to everyone. So we're going to be talking about education, which is why we do the program to begin with. So those two disclosures are really one. And having said that, do you deem to tell us another disclosure? Yes. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And he really can't get through the week without that. I think Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally portfolio management and portfolio management and that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. Um, and so you can contact us locally, voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people, no phone tree during the week at 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades. uh, And you can find us wherever podcasts are given 
Um, thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.